Turn with me to Judges chapter 7 and verse 15. We're doing the same scripture but a different message tonight. Um, the one in your bulletin is the one I prepared this week and then God just kind of redirected me this afternoon. Um, Let's read this scripture, beginning in verse 15. When Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. He returned to Israel's camp and said, Get up, for the Lord has handed the Midianite camp over to you. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies and gave each of the men a trumpet in one hand and an empty pitcher with a torch inside it in the other. Watch me, he said, and do the same. When I come to the outpost of the camp, do as I do. When I and everyone with me blow our trumpets, you are also to blow your trumpets all around the camp. Then you will say, for Yahweh and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men who were with him went to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch after the sentries had been stationed. They blew their trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. The three companies blew their trumpets and shattered their pitchers. They held their torches in their left hands and their trumpets in their right hands and shouted, A sword for Yahweh and for Gideon. Each Israelite took his position around the camp and the entire Midianite army fled and cried out as they ran. When Gideon's men blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set the swords of each man in the army against each other. They fled uh, to Beth Shittah in the direction of Zerarah. Uh, as far as the border of Abel Mahola near Tabith, and the men of Israel were called from Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh, and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim with this message Come down and intercept the Midianites and take control of the watercourses ahead of them as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they took control of the watercourses as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. They captured Oreb and Zeb, the two princes of Midian. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. And while they were pursuing the Midianites, they brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon across the Jordan. Mary Magdalene was a broken woman. Uh, the scriptures tell us that uh, she had been a prostitute. And not only that, but that she was inhabited by seven demons. And so the Lord Jesus cast these seven demons out of her and she put her faith and trust in Jesus and her life was transformed. She was never the same. And she ended up being the first person who saw Jesus risen from the dead. You know, God is still in the business of transforming broken people. And, um, and I believe each of us needs to bring our brokenness to Jesus so that he can bring healing to our lives. Um, the scripture here talks about Gideon winning this battle, and uh, I was going to talk to you about his worship and about how he followed God's direction and some of those things. Uh, but God just led me. I, I've been intrigued all week by these different things that they are using. Uh, a trumpet, a clay jar, a torch, and... Um, also, the rock and the wine press. And each one of these things are symbols of other things in Scripture. 
And as I thought about the Gideon story, and I thought about how God used him and his weakness and his brokenness, um, I realized that these symbols that God had them use, these things God had them use to win this battle, uh, were pictures of where they were as a people and where Gideon was as an individual, but also where all of us are at one time or another. Because let's face it, we are broken people. And we need, we need Christ. You know, the Bible says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So we need to bring that brokenness uh, to Jesus. And that's the title of my message, Bring Your Brokenness to Jesus. Um, what should we bring him? Well, the first thing is, bring him your emptiness. Bring him your emptiness. Verse 16, he gave them an empty pitcher. An empty pitcher. Literally, a clay jar. Um, the Apostle Paul, in the book of 2 Corinthians, talks about the trials and the difficulties and the struggles that he went through. Uh, he says, we despaired even of life, and we found that God is the one who can raise us up from the dead. But then he says in one place, he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay, that the power is of God and not of us. Is that not true of the Gideon story? Listen, I've got a clay jar and so do you. It's these, these human bodies that we have, our, our weakness of our old nature and all of those things. We, we are empty and powerless in and of ourselves to do anything. Um, in one scripture in Psalms, God says, Open wide your mouth and I will fill it. Uh, what is it that you need as an individual? What is it that you lack as a child of God? Ask God to fill your emptiness. Um, we need to bring our emptiness to Jesus. Have you ever felt like you had nothing more to give? You ever had that feeling? You, maybe you were just emotionally drained from the circumstances of the week and uh, the difficulties of the things you've been facing, and you just kind of felt depleted, uh, emotionally spent, physically spent, uh, spiritually spent. You remember Jesus asleep in the storm? He was, uh, the storm's raging all around him. He's so wore out from ministry that he's in a dead sleep. And the disciples have to shake him awake. And they're, they're actually bailing water because the boat's sinking. Wake up, we're going to drown. And, and he's so exhausted from ministry. That's a good, great picture of the humanity of Jesus Christ and how he identifies with us. But sometimes in life, we reach those points of emptiness in our lives. And when we are there, we just need to bring that emptiness to Jesus and say, Lord, here's where I'm at. I'm depleted physically. I need rest. I'm depleted emotionally. I need encouragement. I'm depleted spiritually, Lord. I need your energy, your divine energy. Fill me with your spirit and let your spirit live through me this life that you've called me to. Jesus said, come unto me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. There have been times I've asked God, I said, Lord, I don't know what I need, but please give it to me. I know I need something. Um, 
there have been times I've gone for ministry. Maybe I've gone to the hospital and, or I've gone uh, to minister to somebody in a situation uh, that's difficult. And I'm just, as, as I'm walking down the hall to go see them, I'm thinking, Lord, I just feel completely depleted. Would you please fill me with your spirit and minister through me to the needs of this person? And you know, God is faithful to do that. Uh, when you don't know the answer. One of the things I've learned to do when you're talking with somebody is to pray for wisdom. If you're talking to another believer, pray that God will give you wisdom and how to minister to that person. If you're talking to somebody who's an unbeliever, pray that God will give you wisdom and bring things to mind to share with that person uh, in a way that will, will touch their heart. So uh, recognize your emptiness and bring that emptiness to Jesus and he will fill it. Uh, so that empty picture is something that is a picture of where, what, what did Gideon say? The angel of the Lord appears to him. And says, you're a mighty man of valor. He says, what are you talking about? He's hiding in the wine press. He says, I'm the least in my father's house. And we're the least in Israel. And, I'm, and I've got no uh, resources and no plans. And I'm just trying to hide out from the Midianites and survive another day. He says, go up, you mighty man of valor. Uh, you're empty. But I have a plan to fill you with what you need to do the thing that I've called you to do. And God equips what he equips us with what we need to do with what he's called us to do. And so, uh, bring your emptiness to Jesus. Secondly, bring your darkness to Jesus. He gave them a torch. Now, probably they put that torch up inside that clay jar, right? So that they could surprise the Midianites and they bust the jar on the ground and then they've got the torch held high they blow the the trumpet or really it's literally a shofar if you've ever seen one of those Jewish shofars that's what it is and they blow the trumpet um, but they put that light that torch inside that jar that we have this treasure in earthen vessels what did Jesus say as the torches were burning uh, in the Jewish feast he said I and the light of the world. He who comes to me will never walk in darkness. Um, so the, the clay jar that was empty, that's a picture of Gideon. It's a picture. He, he and his family, they were idolaters. And the, Gideon had to deal with the problem of idolatry in his own family before he could proceed with what God had for him to do. And so uh, there's a spiritual darkness across the whole nation of Israel. And yet they did the right thing. They brought their darkness to Jesus. They said, Lord, we are suffering the consequences of our sinful choices, but we're crying out to you for help. And what did God do? God raised up Gideon. And uh, God will do that for you. You call out to God in your darkness. It may be darkness that's, that's a, the darkness of sin in your life. You need help in the sinful uh, circumstance of your life where you're, where you're struggling with a sin. Uh, invite Jesus into it. Uh, ask him to fill you with his Holy Spirit and live through you and empower you. Um, it may be darkness in the sense of not knowing what to do. Have you ever felt that way? Lord, I'm completely in the dark. I, I don't have a clue of what I need to do. And Jesus brings the light to the situation. Um, David said this, Your word is a lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. 
So, so Christ shines and, and takes away the darkness as we bring our darkness to him. Um, isn't it interesting that God can change the most wicked heart? Um, you look at, at uh, I mentioned Mary Magdalene earlier, but look at the Apostle Paul. He was chasing Christians around, putting them to death, putting them in jail, uh, was pursuing them to other cities. So great was his zeal against the church. Later on, after coming to Christ, he says, I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And yet he said, but by the grace of God... I am what I am. Hallelujah. God is not intimidated by your sin or the darkness in your life. Bring it to Jesus and he'll shine his light upon it. So, bringing your brokenness to Jesus, what should you bring? Bring your emptiness to him. Bring your darkness to him. Thirdly, bring your defeat to him. They had been under Midianite oppression and they, they were having to scrounge for the very food that they ate. Uh, the Midianites were like a horde of locusts. I mean, they were just consuming everything. And uh, they were just trying to eke out a basic existence. And talk about a picture of defeat. You come to Gideon, he's hiding in the wine press. This is, this is the guy they're going to choose to lead the army. That's the way God works. He says, uh, he says, I see where you are in your defeat, but this is not the last word. What did, what did Jesus tell Peter? He says, your, your name is Simon, but I'm telling you, your name is Peter. It means rock. Because you are a rock, and I am going to use this faith in your life that is going to come, and this strength in your life, and that's the kind of thing I'm going to build my church on. And then Peter denies Jesus three times, anything, anything but a rock. And yet, the Spirit comes at Pentecost, and Peter becomes a mighty, bold lion for God. And uh, what a transformation. Bring your defeat to Jesus. Jesus told Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. Hmm. I wonder if that struck a, struck a note in Peter's mind. What had he done three times? He denied he said, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. Jesus was saying, listen, Peter, I'm not done with you. I know you feel defeated. I know you have failed. But listen, this is not the last word. There's a hope in the future. I've got a plan for your life. That's where Gideon was as well. He was defeated. Hiding in the wine press. No hope for his future. God said, rise up, you mighty man of valor. God must have a sense of humor. So, bring your defeat to Jesus. What, what defeat could, could come about in your life? Well, first of all, defeat in your circumstances. Sometimes we just feel knocked down by the circumstances of life, don't we? Have you ever felt like the fish? You know, they say that fish, if he bumps up against that glass enough times, they can take the glass out and he'll no longer go there because he... He has learned. He's defeated. He's not going to try it anymore. A lot of people are living their lives that way. I'm not going to try anything for God. I'm not going to step out in faith and do anything for God. I'm defeated. I feel like there's no end to my 
defeat. Don't be defeated by your circumstances. Bring your defeat to Jesus. Twelve men who kept making all these different mistakes ended up being used by God to turn the world upside down. When you think of what God did, I I love what it says about Peter and John. Uh, They stand before the Sanhedrin, this 70-member group that had the uh, authority to do anything to you but put you to death. The Romans had to give approval for that. Peter and John had been beaten the night before for preaching the gospel. And they bring them in from jail. And they say, you are not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ anymore. And they say, you judge for yourself whether it's right for us to obey God or to obey you. But we cannot help but speak of these things which we have seen and we have heard. And they went out with boldness preaching. They prayed for boldness, and God gave it to them. Continued the work. And the Bible says that the Sanhedrin, when they saw their boldness and the way that they answered, they took note of these men, that though they were unschooled and ordinary men, that they had been with Jesus. They brought their defeat to Jesus. What What a group of defeated people must have been when they were locked in that room after Jesus' crucifixion, for fear of the Jews. Talk about defeat. And then Jesus showed up. Jesus has a habit of doing that. He shows up in the middle of our defeat, in the middle of our discouragement, and he does a work in us, and he turns defeat into victory. That's what the death, burial, and resurrection is all about. In Ephesians, Paul tells them, you have the power of the resurrection in you. So when you are defeated, you bring that defeat to Jesus. You say, here's where I am, Lord. I'm completely honest. I don't know what to do with it. Here's my defeat. I'm bringing it to you. I'm asking you to fix it. Father, give me your victory in my circumstance. Give me your victory in this area of sin in my life. Show me how to walk in your spirit. Show me how to live for you. But God, I'm bringing this to you and trust that you love me and that you'll help me. Bring your defeat to Jesus. What was the trumpet used for? It was used to call the troops to battle. For other things as well. But in this context, it's used to call the troops to battle. In moments of great defeat, sometimes God brings about the greatest victory. You remember what happened when Saul began to persecute the Jewish people there in Jerusalem. The Bible says that the persecution got so severe that a lot of them had to leave Jerusalem. Talk about that. That had to feel like defeat. You're leaving your homeland. You're leaving the place that you're familiar with because the persecution has gotten so bad, you've got to go move somewhere else. But the Bible says everywhere they went, they told people about Jesus. So what happened? The gospel spread. <laughs> through the persecution that was meant to stop the spread of the gospel, the gospel spread even farther than it would have otherwise. God has a way of bringing victory even in situations of defeat. Just bring that defeat to Jesus. 
God one time said, Is my arm too short to save? Is anything too hard for the Lord? So, bring your defeat to Jesus. Bring your emptiness to him. Bring your darkness. Bring your defeat. And finally, bring your weakness to Jesus. Look at verse 25. They captured Oreb and Zeb. Oreb means raven and Zeb means wolf. The two Midianite princes. And they killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb while they were pursuing the Midianites. Now that may seem like a, you know, what's, what's that detail in there for? It doesn't seem all that like it matters all that much. But if you look back at Judges 6, 11, and 20, you find that where God found Gideon was in the wine press. Now who's in the wine press? His enemies. Gideon's place of weakness, God has totally transformed the situation. Now his enemy is being killed in the wine press. Gideon has brought an offering to God at the rock And God's encouraging him. He consumes the the sacrifice there to encourage Gideon. Uh, At the end of the story, no longer does Gideon the one needing encouragement. The enemy of God is being killed at the rock. So, it's a symbol of weakness. Gideon's weakness has been turned to strength. The Midianite's strength has been turned to weakness. Somebody said, uh, if God is against us, who could be for us? The Bible says if God is for us, who can be against us? Gideon was experiencing that in this situation. Bring your weakness to Jesus. Paul wrote to Corinthians and the Corinthians, they had a lot of uh, pretty spectacular gifts, spiritual gifts and things that they were doing, but um, spiritually and morally, they just they were not walking with God. And uh, they were filled with pride, and they were they fighting with each other and doing all these things. And um, So Paul reminded them of something. He said, it's not many mighty, not many noble, not many well-born, not many... Uh, of, of means. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And the things that are not to confound the things that are. In other words, Paul is saying if you're a child of God, probably chances are you're weak. And chances are you are, are don't come with... Now, God, does God save people who aren't weak? Sure. Does God save people who aren't uh, or who have financial means. Sure, uh, God saves people from all different walks of life. But what he says is, generally speaking, those who are open that God uses are those who are weak. And so he's kind of giving them a reality check. Check your pride at the door. It's not about you. And so, um, when you come to a situation like Gideon's, it, it, it is very clear that were it not for God's intervention in Gideon's life, none of this would have taken place. The Israelites would have continued to be oppressed. They would have continued to have the same situation. They could have continued in defeat. 
and all of these things. But God did intervene and he did empower Gideon in his weakness. I mentioned this morning about Paul and the thorn in the flesh. He says, uh, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is perfected in weakness. You see, our weakness is a good thing because it causes us to trust in Jesus. So bring your weakness to Jesus. Bring your inability to Jesus and see how he'll fill you with his strength and his ability. Um, Are you broken? Have you been struggling in your life? There's good news. We serve the one who can rebuild. He's the potter. And he can take the broken piece of clay and he can can, uh, refashion it and remake it into a beautiful vessel that is worthy to be used. Bring your brokenness to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the fact that you love us. You're not shocked or you're not... uh, um, in some way, Lord, you don't, you don't uh, treat us as any less, Lord, but because you know perfectly who we are and you love us anyway. Thank you that we can come to you perfectly honestly and share with you where we are and what our struggles are and you know exactly what to do and you know exactly how to help us. Thank you, Father, that if you can use Gideon, you can use us. And Father, I pray that we would trust you to do that. That we would bring all of the challenges of our lives before your feet and before your throne. And, uh, and tell you about them and ask you to intervene. Lord, teach us how to walk in your strength. How to not depend on ourselves, but to depend on